Now, here's what I want you to think about. This cup represents your life. And, and right this moment, I want you to evaluate your life this very second. And I want you to, in your mind, determine how full your life is with you, with yourself. Did you walk in here today full of yourself? Did you walk in here today empty? And then I want you to think about this as we go through the service today. The more you are filled with yourself, the less Christ can fill you. The more you empty yourself, at this moment, when you come to church, whatever your routine is, some of you just like survive till you get to church, whatever you do, if you empty yourself, when you come into the presence of the living God, He's looking for empty vessels that He can pour Himself into. And those vessels then become vessels. Paul talks about this. We carry around this treasure in jars of clay. The treasure is the message of Jesus Christ. So when we come in empty, or even if if during the songs or during the prayer time, during the, the message, you begin to empty yourself, then this supernatural thing happens and Christ begins to fill you. And when Christ fills you, then you can start doing things that make lasting, eternal impact in other people's lives. So where are you? Wherever you are, if you're willing to empty yourself just a little bit, even if just to get a taste of Christ today, I want you just, in your mind, you can close your eyes just for a second and tell God that. Say, God, I just want to, I want to empty myself so that you can fill me. Say that silently in your mind. Now, here's where we're going with our, uh, with our message today. If you've been here the last couple of weeks, you know that we are talking about life as a highway. And our first stop on life as a highway is um, test drive. Let me hear Bruce. What? Amen. <laughs> Every week I've been talking to Bruce because he's a car salesman and he loves test drives. And uh, he'd like for you all to come and test drive. So um, test drive, here's what we mean by that. We want you to come to New Life Community Church and just check it out. Just give it a try. We want you to test out the things of God. We open up God's Word every week so that we can see how God applies His Word to humans. And we just dare you to try what God says to try in your life. Because when you do, we know, we are confident that when you test drive and you try those things that God says, since He created us, we know He knows what's best for us. If you try those things, we know that eventually you're going to give more and more of your life to Christ because you're going to say, this stuff works because it's supernatural. It's not just natural. So test drive, but there's going to be a time that you've got to make a commitment. You can't test drive all your life. Bruce won't let you take the car home and test drive it for the next year. You've got to make some type of commitment. So we believe that you're going to eventually give your life to Christ. You're going to give your life um, in commitment to New Life Community Church. We just believe there's going to be a time where you make a commitment. And we want to give you all the time you need. But sometimes you just need a little bit of encouragement to step across the line and say, okay, I'm going to commit. This is where I want to plant my life. The second stop, or the second um, area on our journey, this whole journey, is road trip. Now, um, road trip means, basically we're talking about, we want you to be involved in a small group. And let me say this real quickly. Number one, 
Um, if you are involved in Celebrate Recovery, you're in a small group. So we're not telling you to be in more small groups. Now, some of you want to do recovery and small groups. That's great. That's your choice. But if you're in Celebrate Recovery on a weekly basis, if you're in a step study on a weekly basis, you're already involved in small groups who do not feel guilt. We're not trying to make anybody feel guilty, whether that's giving money. We don't want, because guilt doesn't come from God. Guilt comes from the enemy. We want to encourage you. Now, God may convict you by His Holy Spirit. If you empty yourself today and, and God begins to fill you, He may convict you. That's totally different than guilt. So we're not trying to guilt anybody. And if you're at a season of life where you just cannot plug into a small group, do not feel guilty, because that's not what we're trying to do. We're just telling you, though, that road trips are a blast when you have other people along. It's horrible not to have anybody to call when you've got great things happening in your life. It's horrible not to have anybody to do life with when, when uh, bad things are happening in your life. Um, Hal Langston is in the hospital in Houston this week, and I was talking to Charlie a couple of times. Janie talked to her this morning, and Charlie said, as I was driving to the hospital, I just got to thinking, who do I need to call? And she said, her words to me were, we love our church and we love our small group, and our small group is closer to us than our family, than our blood relatives. That's what we're talking about. That's what we want everybody to experience through small groups. Then the next stop, what we're going to talk about today and next week, is the pit stop. Everybody know what a pit stop is? And, and by this, I don't mean go to the bathroom. You know, that's not one of those pit stops. We're talking about in a race. Everybody needs to pull into the pit stop occasionally. And, and you need to be refilled and recharged. And we've got folks that are downstairs that every week they're pouring out their lives for your children so that you can come up here and not be distracted. There are times they need a pit stop. There are pit crew today. It's about 20 people it takes to put on everything that's going on from the, from the parking lot to the children's area. And they are our pit crew. And we're trying to get more and more people in the pit crew because there are things about the Christian life you'll never learn until you serve. So, today, consider emptying yourself so that Christ can fill you and make a difference. Let's pray together. There we go. And there was light. Okay. <laughs> Why should we serve? Well, let's, let's just open up God's Word and let's look at a couple of things real quickly about serving. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three through 26 says this. For this is what the Lord himself said, and I pass it on to you just as I received it. Now, this is Paul speaking, and he's speaking to a bunch of folks um, in Corinth, and he's telling them why, um, why we do things the way we do. He's telling them the progression of what happened in the Christian life, in, in this growth, this movement called Christianity. And actually, it wasn't even called Christianity yet. It was called the way at this point. But this growth in the movement of the way, he says, for what what I received, I passed on to you. And here it is. On the night when Jesus was betrayed, the Lord Jesus himself took a loaf of bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant between God and you, sealed by the shedding of my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. How many of you have heard the term Eucharist? Have you heard that term Eucharist? All right, some of you. And, and it may be because you have different um, denominational backgrounds, church background in the past. I want to just simplify this idea of Eucharist for you today. 
It actually comes from the Greek word Eucharistia, which means thanksgiving or thankfulness. So when the church celebrates Eucharist, the church is being thankful for the good gift of Jesus Christ. Now, we, we don't celebrate Eucharist here. We call it the Lord's Supper. Um, we're having our one-on-one class today, and, and we talk about that in our one-on-one class, in our membership class. Uh, we talk about why we do things the way we do. And uh, we just call it uh, celebrating the Lord's Supper because it's based on this idea of the last night when Jesus' last supper, when he's talking to his disciples, the last instructions he gives them while he's in, in the physical body before he gets crucified he says, here's what you do. This is my body broken for you. This is my blood. And so we're just being thankful for Christ's body and uh, body being broken and his blood being spilled so that we might have forgiveness of sins and so that we might be filled with the spirit of the living God. And, and so we're just thankful anytime. And Jesus said, as often as you do this, remember me. So you look back at what Christ did. You look um, to, forward to his coming again. And you look around because uh, it has to do with fellowship. The proper taking of the Lord's Supper means if I have a problem between me and you, I have a problem between me and God. And I'm supposed to take care of the problem between me and you before I ever come back to God. That's what God is, is talking about. So when the church celebrates this, we are celebrating Christ emptying himself so that we can be filled. Now, look at Colossians 2, 6 and 7. Whenever you exchange your life the choice is yours. You exchange your life for God's life. You say, I want to give my life to Christ and I want to have Christ living in me. Then he has some expectations from you. And here's what it is in Colossians 2, 6 and 7. And now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to live in obedience to him. Let your roots grow down into him and draw up nourishment from him. So you will grow in faith, strong and vigorous in the truth you were taught. Here's the key. Let your lives overflow with thanksgiving for all he has done. We acknowledge the good gift that Jesus Christ has given us that we have accepted. We acknowledge that by the way we live our lives. So it says, let your lives overflow with thanksgiving for all he has done. Christ has been broken. His body has been broken. That's what this symbolizes. This does not become the body, the actual body of Christ. It's symbolic. He said, my body is broken for you. My blood has been shed and poured out for you, for there is no forgiveness of sins without um, the shedding of blood. My blood has been poured out for you. That's the good gift that we accept. And then God expects the church to turn around and be a good gift to the world. And the way we are a good gift is the way we live our lives. Now, the church is the only, uh, it, the church only works when the body, that's you and me, if we're believers, if we're, if we're members of the church, the church only works when the body is willing to be broken and poured out for others. For you to be fed on a regular basis, someone else has to be broken and spilled out on a regular basis. That's just the way things are. That's the example Christ gave us. That's the way it works in church. Somebody's got to be broken and spilled out for you to be fed. And, and the folks who are being broken and spilled out, they're not complaining because that's just part of the Christian life. I give my life for you. Um, it, it's part of being a Christ follower. But just remember this principle. Anytime somebody is broken and spilled out, a body is broken and the blood poured out. There has to be a time that the body is put back together 
and the blood poured back in. That's how we get refilled and refreshed. Even Christ, our example, would withdraw many times to a lonely place to pray so that his father could fill him back up. Everybody needs a pit stop now and then. Christ needed it. I need it. You need it. Even Lightning McQueen needed a pit stop. Watch this. While everyone else heads into the pit, McQueen stays out to take the lead. Don't take it out, coach! I'm still right! McQueen's not going into the pit. You know, the rookie just fired his shirt, Chief. That's the third one this season. Well, he says he likes working along now. Looks like Jeff got caught up in the pits. Yeah, after a stop like that, he's got a lot of ground to make up. Get ready, boys. We're coming to the restart. McQueen likes to work alone. And uh, you get the point, don't you? He needed a pit stop. He wouldn't take the pit stop. And so it eventually cost him. You know, as I was thinking about this whole idea, 
I kept saying, everybody needs a pit stop. Everybody needs a pit stop. You know the only people who don't need a pit stop? The folks sitting in the stands. The folks who aren't in the game. Right? I mean, because they're being filled. They're, uh, if you, if you just take the racing image, they're living vicariously through, you know, Lightning McQueen, Chick, whatever his name is, the King, Mr. The King. I like that because, hello, Mr. The King. We had to watch the whole thing again, and we'll have to do it again because I have it, uh, because my kids like it so much. But here's, here's where we're going with all of this. We have the greatest workers in the world at New Life. We just don't have enough of them. And, and our workers, why do they serve? Why are they part of the pit crew every week? You know, just several things came to mind. Number one, our workers have chosen to be in the pit crew because um, their lives overflow with thanksgiving for all Christ has done. You hang out with them. The folks that are working, you'll, you'll learn very quickly that they, they understand that Jesus died for them. Jesus gave up his life for them. And so they give up their lives in return. Uh, you talk to some of our folks and they'll tell you because good and evil exists in our world and the only thing necessary for evil to flourish is for good men and good women to do nothing. And our folks have decided they're not going to do nothing. They're, they're going to serve so that evil will not flourish. Um, they've moved to the pit stop because they believe that the Bible is true and there really is a heaven and a hell. And so they're going to do everything they can to make sure as many people as possible are in heaven. The pit stop is the place for our workers because they're investing their lives, this finite amount of time that they have on this planet, in something that lives on uh, beyond the grave. And, and finally, you know, they've chosen the pit stop because when they drive out of the parking lot every Sunday and they've been broken and spilled out so that someone, an infant, a toddler, a child or you, the adults, can be filled. That brings satisfaction to the soul and there's not a price that's priceless. Should have done one of those priceless commercials. There's no place that they would rather be than in the pit stop because serving matters. Serving is when the God of the universe uh, intersects, not insects, intersects human lives. And he does it through you and me when we choose to be broken and poured out. The church is the only organization on the planet that exists for the benefit of its non-members. And whenever we start focusing on ourselves, that's when the church dies and that's when it no longer is a New Testament church. In fact, I bet if you look at all the churches that have closed their doors, and and many do every year in the United States, it's because they quit focusing on non-members and they started focusing on themselves. They became a country club and the country club only lasts until the last person dies. It's not a service organization. It's a serve us organization. And that's the difference in a New Testament and a country club. Um, Being a good gift to Palestine. We celebrate the Lord's Supper. We celebrate the good gift of Christ. Being a good gift to Palestine will cost us our lives. Because God wants us to do something in exchange. He says, if I'm going to give my son, then you've got to give your life. If I'm going to give my power, you've got to give your life. That's, that's what you have to give up in order to get God, the spirit of the living God, to invade your body and to make your life um, memorable and, and worth or actually investing in, in uh, things that last beyond the grave. That's what God says. It's going to cost you your life. And, you know, Jamie and I have signed up our lives to give them away. For Palestine. 
And we plan to stay here as long as, as we are alive and build this church because that's what God has called us to do. And we're asking you to help to invest your lives in something that matters. The local church is God's plan A, plan B, plan C. It's his only plan to reach people who are far from God. And the, <clears throat> excuse me, the degree to which we take this mission seriously is the degree to which God can be successful through us in reaching others. We have the most important job in the world, so let's not fall asleep at the wheel. Why serve? Well, God did it. And every God follower who's made any type of difference in the world has been a servant. Second is, what does serving look like? Okay, let's simplify this some more. What does serving look like? This week, we identified the top ten spiritual things that happen at New Life on a weekly basis. You ready for these? Number one, learning someone's name. Saying hello to a stranger. That's pretty tough. Shaking hands with folks. Opening a door for people. Especially for moms coming in with those infant carriers. Or carrying the infant without the infant carrier. If you're a parent, you know what that's like. Having, you know, with, when I had just Caleb and Rachel have one on each hip and then we had Hannah. And there literally were times Caleb would be hanging on my, my neck and I'd have the girls in my arms. And just having somebody opening the door is a big deal. Hugging a kid, playing with a kid. You think, you think it doesn't matter to me whether my kids have a good time at church? My kids love our church, and it's one of the goals of my life was to have a place where my kids wanted to go. Because I didn't want them to be the typical minister's kids. They love church. They talk about on Saturday nights, hey, let's go to church tomorrow. They're excited. And I've heard several of you, several stories of your kids get ticked if they don't get to come to church. We've done that on purpose. And, it, and when you serve a kid, it's double serving because you're serving the kid, but you're also serving the parent who gets to come up here without distractions. Um, changing a diaper. Again, that's double serving. That may be triple serving there. Because um, you get some of those packages in there, man. I used to... I used to like wet diapers, you know, because then there's not much to do. But some of those others, because our kids were fat, man, and, and every, every place that it could go, it went. And, uh, man, Jamie's like, how many wet wipes did you use? I'm like, as many as it took. Um, <laughs> number six, sitting next to someone who's alone. We forget that after we've been here a few weeks. Or you've been here a couple of years. You come in and it just feels like family. Go to a church by yourself some weekend when you're out of town. And you'll be reminded of what it feels like to come and sit alone. And it's unacceptable that, that anybody should come here and feel alone. Um, making coffee, breakfast. Woohoo! Go Heather. And, and you know when you notice it? Because she does it every week. Except when they go to the Bahamas. I still haven't forgiven them for going. To, no, I'm kidding. Um, when, when you come in here when there's not breakfast, when there's not coffee. She does such a good job. of it. I mean, it, it, it actually is a ministry that folks can come in. And, and if you're hungry or just sometimes it's 
Sometimes if you're at a new place, it's just cool to have a cup of coffee so you got something to do while you're feeling out of place, you know? Um, so that can help. Or you eat, you know, because some of you are shy and you don't want to talk to other people. So you just stub them. So you don't have to talk. I know. I've seen it all. Number eight, double clicking the mouse. Or Drew doesn't double click. He pushes the space bar to go to the next thing. But but this is a ministry. And sometimes if we don't if we don't have this up here, we 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 talk about all kinds of wild ideas to, to communicate that to you. And we'll, we'll pull one of them on you one day. But if we were just turn this all off, it, it makes a difference, right? The, the, I didn't do any of the, I came up with the idea, but Alex, the, the code word that he's about to have to do extra work, is I'll call him and I'll say, how hard would it be? And he's just like, whatever, dude, just tell me what you want. Because this stuff takes a long time. Videos take a long time. Editing, taping, all of that stuff takes a long time. And that's a ministry. Handing out listening guides. Woo! Dwayne and Michelle. And and uh, I'm, I'm going to kind of point. Uh, I heard Dwayne say one time, he said, no, nah, man, I'm just I'm just a greeter. Walk into a church where you're not greeted. And you know how important their ministry is or walk into a church where. People don't know why they're standing at the door to greet you. And, and you'll understand why their ministry is important. Vacuuming, taking out the trash. One time we had a Thanksgiving meal here. And uh, it was at Thanksgiving. And we had stuff left over. And about six weeks later, we'd been gone because we don't do church the last Sunday of the year just to, to give our, our workers the chance to pit stop and, and be refreshed. And Caleb and I came up here and... We walked in the doors. We'd left the door shut. We walked in and this fog attacks my face. And I mean, it was burning nostril hairs. I had to go have my teeth cleaned, you know, all of that stuff. And Caleb almost puked. And in fact, he went screaming from the... He's serving today, so I, I'm free. I don't have to pay you any of this. He, he goes running out. I literally did not see him until I found the source of the stench and got rid of it. We had left a pot of turkey in our oven that's not even plugged in. It's just there, you know, for storage purposes. Um, we left it in there, and it was disgusting. Um, if you leave the trash up here, especially in summer, you leave the trash up here for a week, it's ripe. And no telling what kind of varmints will be infesting this place. So that's, that's a big ministry. That's serving? Yeah. Um, are those things too hard for anybody? No. We're just looking for people who will serve. But more than that, we're looking for people who will trust the leadership of the church to say, where is the most critical need? Because we could spend our, our time, our money, our, um, our talents. We could spend it on stuff that's frivolous. But we want to spend it on the things that are strategic, strategic service. Um, Here's where, why we want people involved, so that when you leave here on a Sunday, you can say, my strategic service has helped us advance the mission of the church. We've moved the ball just a little bit down the road, and so we illustrated this for you. It's like this. We consider it a win if your children come to church, they get hugged on, they learn about the love of Christ. If you get served, if all of these things happen, you got that, Drew? Put that up there. Double click. <laughs> 
We're using Spacebar. All right, there's our convertible that we've asked everybody to get in. We said, wouldn't it be cool if we rented one and our small group left in a convertible one day? That would be really cool. When you are fed, when someone is broken and spilled out and you are fed, the car moves just a little bit down the road. It happens today. It happened last week. It moved just an inch down the road. And we're coming up to Easter in two weeks, and, and we're going to be broken and spilled out so that your car can move just a little bit down the road. And we consider if you've made any advancement in the kingdom of God, in the life of Christ living in you, then we feel like it's a success. And so we're going to do this over and over again, 51 weeks out of the year, so that you can make a little bit of, of progress. We're not trying to get you all the way around the lap in one Sunday. Um, we're just trying to help you move just a little bit to do life just a little bit better. So here's what we're going to say. Strategic service. Here's what it is. And it's on your listening guide. Apply your heart and your hands to the place of greatest demand. Apply your heart and your hands to the place of greatest demand. Because when you serve strategically, it makes a difference in the world. It gets people's attention because it's not normal. Strategic service is not normal. Um, and that's what captures people's attention. I have this dream of this place being filled with hundreds of, of strategic servers. People who say, I love this place. I want others to know about this place. I'll do whatever it takes to make this place better. But one thing I won't do is I will not sit around and wait for the perfect opportunity to come. I will serve where I'm needed to serve. Because look what the Bible says in Ecclesiastes. If you wait for perfect conditions, you will never get anything done. <laughs> A lot of folks are still sitting on the sidelines waiting on the perfect conditions. It's not going to happen. We have all kinds of critical needs. Now, in the book of uh, Acts, in the Bible, there's, there's this book called Acts. And, and it's the story of what happened after Jesus left. Jesus trained his disciples, his, his apostles. He left and, and they're going, now what? Acts tells you now what? It tells you what happens next in the Christian life. And you got to understand that there was no organization uh, to speak of. There's no denomination in existence. These were a bunch of guys that all they knew was that to, to tell other people, this is what Jesus said, this is what he did. We saw a dead man walking. We have never been the same. And all we can do is tell you about it. That's, that's what the church was when it first started after Jesus left. Now, Acts is the beginning of the church. And by, by chapter 6, we come to the first church problem. Acts chapter 6, verse 1. As the believers, now you got to understand, uh, let me just stop right there. Believers in the book of Acts refers to thousands of men and women who believed that Jesus Christ was the Messiah. And the vast majority of them were Jewish, right? Because Jesus was a Jew. He hung out where the Jews hung out. I mean, that was his ministry. So the vast majority of the people who followed the way, it wasn't called Christianity yet, were Jews. All right, now let's go on. As the believers rapidly multiplied, there were rumblings of discontent. Those who spoke Greek complained against those who spoke Hebrew. Okay, stop right there. The believers grew rapidly. Right after Jesus left, Peter does this sermon. 3,000 people joined the church one day. I would say that's rapid expansion from a handful to 3,000. That's a big deal. Now, there were Greek-speaking Jews and Hebrew-speaking Jews. The Hebrews... Hebrew-speaking Jews lived in and around Jerusalem. They grew up in the Hebrew culture. The Greek-speaking Jews lived in the Greek culture. And, and just think of it this way. If, if someone is born in the United States and raised in the United States, you would expect them to be very well um, acclimated to the, the uh, American culture. 
But let's say that they have uh, American parents, they're born in America, but they immediately move to Mexico or Africa or wherever, and they spend 25 years in that culture. Which culture are they going to be more like? The one they grow up in. So that's the situation here. You've got Greek-speaking Jews, you've got Hebrew-speaking Jews, and a problem arises. Now, the Passover happened every year. It was something that a good Jew was going to celebrate, and you would go to the temple so that you could celebrate the Passover near the temple. And so all these Greek-speaking Jews would travel back to Jerusalem to partake of the Passover. This particular time, right after Jesus had left, many of these Greek-speaking Jews stayed because they got all caught up in this Jesus movement. And, and they, they believed that Jesus was the Messiah. They'd been looking for the Messiah. He showed up. They didn't get to see him. But it was the type of deal where my mother-in-law saw him and she never lied. So I believe on account of what my mother-in-law says. So I'm going to hang out here because the Messiah has been here. This is what's going on. So now... You have these two groups, Hebrew-speaking Jews, Greek-speaking Jews. They're living together. They're sharing meals together. They're sharing their money. They're doing life together. Thousands of them are co-mingling, and a problem arises. Here it is, Acts 6.1. As the believers rapidly multiplied, there were rumblings of discontent. Those who spoke Greek complained against those who spoke Hebrew, saying that their widows were being discriminated against in the daily distribution of food. Well, as they all lived together and congregated together, some problems arose. Apparently, the widows who couldn't take care of themselves were given food. The problem was the Hebrew-speaking widows got fed. The Greek-speaking widows didn't. So all of these Greek-speaking Jews come in. They go, whoa, 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 we love your sermons. They're great. You're ignoring our, our widows. There's a problem. So no organization, no denomination to call, no director of missions if you've been in, in the Baptist church or whatever denomination. Nobody to call. What do they do? They, they all got together. It's the first church business meeting. Acts chapter two, Acts 6, verse 2 through 4. So the twelve called a meeting of all the believers. We apostles should spend our time preaching and teaching the word of God. Now, this is where we get the idea that the pastor's job is to lead and to feed. The leaders of this organization, they said, we're supposed to preach and teach. We're supposed to lead and feed, not administer a food program. program. Now, look around among yourselves, brothers, and select seven men who are well-respected and are full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. We will put them in charge of this business. Then we can spend our time in prayer and preaching and teaching the word of God. They said, we know there's a legitimate problem, but if we meet the need of that problem, we'll be off mission. But if we don't meet the need, we'll be off mission. (laughs) So we need more hearts and more hands to apply themselves to the place of greatest demand. This was a critical need. It could have destroyed the church before the church even really got rolling. So we can't stop doing what we're doing. What are we going to do? Acts chapter 6, verse 5 and 6. This idea pleased the whole group. So what they said is, we're going to pick these guys. And it pleases the whole group. And they chose the following. Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit. Philip, Procurus, Nicanor. Timon, uh, Parmenas, and Nicholas of Antioch, a Gentile convert to the Jewish faith who had now become a Christian. These seven were presented to the apostles who prayed for them as they laid their hands on them. The very first one mentioned Stephen. He became a very famous man just in the next chapter of the Bible. And he preaches this great sermon and then he's killed for his faith. He becomes a famous man and we talk about him all the time. He had his start in the church as a waiter. All seven of them did. They said, find the most spirit-filled men who are like Christ. And we'll make them waiters. For these ladies that can't take care of themselves. And that's the way the kingdom of God functions. Um, 
And you would expect the next thing in the scripture, you would expect the scripture to say, and so the Greek speaking widows got fed. Woohoo! It's not what it says. Here's what it says. And so the word of God continued to spread. <laughs> what? Greek speaking widows got fed. That's not what it says. The word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem grew larger and larger, and a great number of priests accepted the faith. What does feeding widows have to do with the word of God? Well, here it is. As this critical need came up and some people said, I will meet the critical need. The mission of the way Christianity was moved one inch further down the road. Progress was made. The whole organization moved forward because a critical need was met. And it became like, you know, it was like pouring gasoline on this movement. It spread like wildfire because someone said, I will meet the critical need. And the same thing can happen at New Life. When folks meet a specific need, the mission of the church is advanced. And the priests, don't miss this, the priests, the ones behind the crucifixion of Jesus, the arch enemies of Christianity, the way many of them left their jobs <laughs> to be part of the Jesus movement because somebody met a very specific Critical need. All the way back at the beginning of the church. We can experience incredible growth here at New Life, but it won't be because of the sermon. Many of you know Steve DeVault. Steve came several years ago and you ask him what he remembers. Nothing about the sermon, nothing about the music. What he'll tell you is he remembers a group of people being excited that he was there and he had never had anybody be excited that he was at church before. Stan and Ann, when they first came, it's funny because we were meeting in a, in a uh, computer shop back then. And they were about 40 feet from us. and They didn't even know we were in existence for a whole year. They came because we had a children's ministry that took care of the kids so that they could come to big church. And they tried a bunch of other churches. They said nobody else did that. So we're here. Wish we'd known about you sooner. <laughs> Can't come where you don't know about we're like an engine, all the parts are critical, and, and we will never hit on all cylinders until people get busy and serve. Hearts and hands engage at the place of greatest command, uh, demand. Now, here's what we've got to start doing. We've got to start showing up with this person in mind. The person we don't know. Because if you start showing up looking for that person, because here's the deal. All people matter to God. We're not the only ones that matter. That's the country club mentality. The life-saving station mentality is we come together and get fired up so that we can go out and find people who are going to go to an eternity in hell if they don't hear about the life-saving message of Jesus Christ. We will not, if I have a breath in me, we will not be inward focused at New Life. We will be outward focused. We go out of our way to make other people feel welcome and comfortable because all people matter to God. And here's why else. Because experts tell us if somebody has a good experience, whether it's at a restaurant, a movie, or at a church, you know how people they tell? Three. If they have a bad experience... You know how many people they tell? Seven. On average. We can't afford that kind of math. <laughs> right? 
So we've got to go out of our way to reach people. Now, can anyone serve? Well, I got another question. Are you serving like a sixth grader? You seeing? are you smarter than the fifth grader? Watch this. So, Caleb, tell us, what uh, age group do you work with? Preschoolers. Preschoolers. So, that's like three, four, and five years old, right? Yes, sir. you got to be pretty tough to work with three, four, and five-year-olds, don't you? No, sir. You don't? Um, isn't it kind of scary to work with preschoolers? No, sir. Um, have you ever been injured? No, sir. Have you ever been bitten? Have you ever had to wear body armor? No, sir. You don't have to do anything special to work with preschoolers. So what do you do um, each week, or, or each time you help Danielle, you don't do it every week, you do it once a month, right? Yes, sir. Once a month, okay. So when you go into the class, what do you do? I help in small groups. Okay, what do you do in small groups? Um, you teach the lesson. So, is it like some super long lesson that you study for months, like the tax test? No, sir. What else do you do? I help me on song time. Song time. And then at the end, you said one of my favorite things, what do you come back and do at the end? Snack time. Snack time! Do you get to eat the snack too? Sometimes. Oh, well that's the only reason I'd want to do it. That might get wet to come if we were feeding him a snack. Right. Ah, so, um, I want you to look at the camera and I want you to say, can you serve like a sixth grader? Can you serve like a sixth grader? Now, if, yeah, it is a challenge. Yeah, I man, challenging your manhood. Um, the reason we wanted you to see that is, is Caleb is excited when he goes down and, and works with the kids. But I'll tell you this, he has more influence and impact in the three, four, and five-year-old's lives than I do. They see Caleb coming. They come busting up, Caleb! So the whole point is anybody can serve. 
And we've said before that, that this is the whole difference between service and serve us. Serve us is a country club. We can't be a country club. If you're, if you're a member one, whoo, yay for you. <laughs> Invite me to supper. Because um, I'm not a member. But the church has got to be service. So, take your registration cards, if you would. 